Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Blue Jays Nation Radio, episode 136. Uremchuk and Coombsy here to talk about a Toronto Blue Jays team that took two of three from the Tampa Bay Rays, undefeated no longer. Coombsy, two of three, as far as like winning a series goes, that is about as satisfying as it gets. Yeah, that's fantastic, but I got to say... I need to kind of take myself back to where I was on Friday morning when we were talking about this. And I thought, you know what? I'll be happy if the Jays just go ahead and win one of these games against the seemingly unbeatable Rays. And then they go ahead and win the first two behind Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi. And it looks like, okay, we have Alec Manoa, the ace, coming to the mound on Sunday to close off the series. And it looks like kind of they're going to sweep this thing. They're going to have Tampa come in here looking to set a big league record, most wins ever. And then they're going to get swept. And then that didn't happen. So my feelings about the series were kind of warped because of Sunday. But I have to take myself back and remember two out of three against a team that hadn't lost yet is real damn good. Yeah, and Tampa had their ace going as well, right? It's not like it was Manoa against a no-name whatever starter. Like, that was a legit matchup. And the Jays just, you know, didn't have their guy perform. We'll touch on that a little bit later. But again, they won the series against the Rays. So we are starting with the ups in three up, three down. And that first game, the jokes were writing themselves. The only thing standing between the Rays and history was Jose Barrios and his, what, 11.25 ERA. And it feels like, I don't want to say it was like predictable, but it's like, man, that's so baseball, right? You have a team that's red hot, cannot be beaten, plus 70-some run differential through the first 13 games of their season, going up against a pitcher who's basically been throwing batting practice for those first couple of starts of the season. You could argue for 18 months he's been throwing batting practice now. And Barrio steps up, strikes out six, only allows one earned, and only leaves the game because he took that ball off the leg. Like, that was a gem from Jose Barrios. It was. And I mean, there was jokes going around. Like you said, I remember, um, I can't remember who it was, but somebody tweeted, it was the picture of Rasmussen for his first two games, zero ERA, Barrios, 11 ERA. And it's like, geez, this couldn't be a more perfect matchup for Tampa Bay to set that all time record. But then you remember this is baseball. So the dumbest thing possible is going to happen, which is Jose Barrios is going to come and look the best in the start. He's looked since, I don't know, like some point in the middle of last year. I mean, I think we know even if Jose Barrios is kind of a pumpkin this year and he pitches to like a five ERA, even if that happens, 
there's still going to be a handful of amazing starts that he turns in. Even last year, there was, you know, he'd go and get drilled and allow eight runs in three innings, and the next game he'd come out and toss, you know, six strong and strike out 11 guys, and you'd think, wow, this is a completely different pitcher. But then, yeah, so against Tampa, he comes out in the first inning, and he's absolutely electric, strikes out two guys, just looks so locked in. It really looked like, the Jays had a, were trying to prove a point with Tampa coming into town and Jose Barrios tossed a fantastic gem. It was, uh, I mean, it maybe a bit of an exaggeration to call it a gem, but given our expectations, sure, yeah. why not? It's a gem. Five innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, zero walks, which is fantastic. Six strikeouts, no homers, which is another huge thing. Like you said, if he hadn't have gotten hit on the leg, maybe he's able to clear six innings and he puts up his first quality start. That'd be huge, but... The bullpen was solid right behind him, and it, it gives you optimism. It, it reminds you that <clears throat> this guy's got a lot of skill, and you know he can go up against teams and put together strong starts. That's what the Blue Jays need. They're paying him to be a workhorse, and they have to have him come in and, and log innings. Yeah, especially like when you consider how that game started, right, with Springer coming out and hitting that bomb right off the get-go, an absolute moonshot as well, 440 feet. And then you're like, okay, they're up in front here. Like, can Barrios just keep things in control? And he absolutely did that. Um, they got out to a really nice lead. It was 6-1 at one point in that ball game. The only reliever who really faltered at all would have been Jimmy Garcia, I suppose. But then it gets led out to Jordan Romano, who does the... I mean, getting hit by the ball, I mean, like, oh, fuck it, I'll finish off the play anyways. That was pretty sick. Yeah, that was badass. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When it happened, I was like, oh, no, this isn't good. (laughs) It looked like he got drilled hard, and then he makes the play, and then after that, he's still trying to go through the high-five lineup, like, limpingly giving high-fives to the guys. Looks like he's about to collapse. Yeah, that was uh, that was nails, man. Jordan Romano's he's a pretty big badass. I got You got to respect that. Yeah, and uh, he did come out the next game and pick up his second save of the series as well. So Romano, no worse for wear after that. But circling back to the first game, I feel like we're almost burying the lead that we haven't talked about this yet. Bo Bichette goes five for five. Unbelievable. He in the process. I mean, he set the franchise record for fastest to its five hundred hits, right? Yeah, that's right. So the fastest to 500 hits previously in franchise history. And he beat this by a wide margin. Yeah. Like he, he, he got there real fast. Vernon Wells and Shannon Stewart both took 432 games to get to 500 career hits. Bo did it in 407 games. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's, 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 I think we take for granted sometimes since there's, there's been a lot of good performances by young guys in the Jays internally developed you know, the Vladdy almost MVP season, the Alec Manoa almost Cy Young season that Bo's kind of been overshadowed a little bit. And the fact that he's already at 500 career hits seems insane. It feels like he was just called up like a few weeks ago. I mean, not really, but like it, yeah. it does feel kind of like it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, right? Midway through 2019, he comes up. It doesn't feel like that long ago. And he's already got 500 hits. Um, yeah, it's incredible. If he sticks around long term, maybe he winds up being the Blue Jays all time hit leader. Who knows? Very easily could be the one thing that this pointed out to me when you just, okay, I was like 500 hits, that number of games played, and this guy is still so young, right? Like 24 years yeah. old. It's durability for me. And I wonder if maybe that's something we don't give Bobachette enough love or credit for is this guy in back-to-back seasons played 159 games. Like, again, at a time where guys get seemingly dinged up a lot, 
where having a player go on the 10-day injured list is like no surprise at all. For Bo to be this durable, I know there's the easy shots to take at his defense. I know the Bo 2 thing is always a funny joke when you're watching the game with someone. But this dude goes out there, and he stays out there. Like, he plays a lot of baseball at a premium position for this team, and I feel like that's something that he deserves a bit more credit for. Yeah, he's almost underrated at this point. We we focus way too much on the on the things that aren't as good. We'd love for him to be an elite shortstop or we're talking about him playing second base, but we yeah, we don't focus on the fact that he just comes out every day and hits and gets on base and has been doing that since he got called up pretty much. I mean, there's been streaks that have been better than others. Think about last season. It was a bit of a roller coaster ride. He really turns it around in August and September. It wasn't quite as good before, but still he's out there every single day playing the game and you know, like it, it just there, there, there aren't situations where he disappears for weeks or months at a time, which there's a lot of virtue in that. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. For our third up in this series, we are going to game two, where it was Barrios shining in game one and Yusei Kikuchi in the middle game. Uh, six innings. This guy strikes out nine and only gives up the one earned run. It came off a solo home run as well. Uh, Kikuchi. Best start as a Jay, I think. I mean, that was a Blue Jays career high, nine strikeouts for him in that. But he looked, again, just like in control. It was unreal. Yeah, it was. It was fantastic. It was, I mean, while the Jose Barrios thing was probably a bit more unpredictable, Mm -hmm. this one, interestingly enough, if you go back and look at Yusei Kikuchi's splits last season, there's pretty much only one team that he did a good job against, and that was Tampa. He, I, I don't have it written down the notes, but I remember writing a post about it, and he went up against them three times. One was a relief appearance, and two were starts, and his ERA was like 250. And the last time that he had thrown a an outing that he went six innings was all the way back in last July against the Rays. And then, like you said, the nine strikeouts against the Rays on Saturday is his career high as a Blue Jay. So in my mind, yeah, this was absolutely his best start he's made since signing here. Six innings, only four hits, only one walk, which as we know, is pretty much the big key with him. The one earned run came by way of a home run. I think it was, um, what was that guy, Taylor Walls, who never hits home run, so that was kind of shocking, but whatever. That's the only damage you give up the entire game. Nine strikeouts. His ERA is now down to uh, a respectable 470. So that's what um, that's the Yusei Kikuchi Revenge Tour is in full flight. He's uh, It's honestly not bad. I mean, this is the same thing with Barrios. I don't know if Yusei Kikuchi is going to come out and toss a six inning one earned run gem every single time he comes out but if he does this more often than not then you're happy that's what you want it doesn't have to be every single time but this is your number five starter if you get a a great start against a team like tampa here and there you're winning you're happy so through three starts this year he's only walked three batters i mean that's 10 15 and a third innings he's pitched and he has three walks When you talk about just, again, a guy who I really think went into the winter, identified what was wrong in his game and set out to fix it, it really feels like he's done that. Like, last year he walked a ton of batters. Command was a huge issue. And this year he seems to have dialed that in. I wonder if he's also one of those guys who's benefited from the pitch clock. It just keeps him in a bit of a rhythm and doesn't allow him, even if he makes a couple of bad pitches, to sit there and be like, oh, shit, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? It's just like, nope, got to get the ball, got to throw it again. Like, keeps him in that rhythm. I wonder if that's maybe not working out well for Kikuchi, um, but a really solid start for him in the second game of this series. The Jays win the Barrios start. 
The Jays win the Kikuchi start. And like you said off the jump, it was all leading up to a great Sunday at the Dome with the big man Alec Manoa on the bump. We talked about him on the last pod, about coming up short in the home opener a little bit, not having his best stuff. And he certainly didn't have it in this game against the Rays either. He walks four, gives up nine hits over four and two-thirds innings. Um, That was just ugly, and it's leading to some questions. I know our friends at Blue Jays today up on their YouTube have a full breakdown of this as well. But, Coombsy, what's wrong with Alec Manoa right now? It's weird. It's it's pretty confounding. But here we are again. There's a pitcher who was – has been very good in the past who is now struggling – and, yeah, I mean, it seems like this is something we've kind of been through. This was kind of the whole theme of last year with Jose Barrios falling off a cliff. But having it happen to Alec Manoa is a lot more shocking. I think we knew or thought there might be some regression. If you look at his career numbers, you know, he, he puts up the fantastic ERA last year at 2.24. But his fielding independent pitching numbers aren't quite as good at 3.35. So I'm not like... I'm not suggesting, okay, he's going to go from a Cy Young pitcher to falling off the cliff and being a guy who, you know, was a number five, putting up a five ERA. No, that's obviously not what's going to happen. But, yeah, maybe some regression. But this is an Alec Manoa who looks completely different on the mound than he has in the past. He doesn't have that same confidence and swagger. He doesn't seem to believe in what he's doing up there. I, 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 I wonder if maybe it's the pitch clock. He isn't. He wasn't always one of those guys who worked super fast. He wasn't a really slow pitcher, but he was one of those guys that took his time so that he could throw his pitch in the right spot. And I kind of wonder now if he's being rushed and he's not doing the right thing. But then also another thing that's been interesting with him that I've noticed is when things get exciting and there's like a big moment, he kind of comes out a little bit later and struggles. Like think back to the home opener. Kevin Kiermeyer makes that amazing catch, but then shortly after... He allows um, a bomb, a bomb home run to some nobody on the Tigers. And then it's the same thing in this game against the Rays. Alejandro Kirk apparently ends the inning by gunning a guy out at second base, and everyone's excited, everyone's trotting off, and then Tampa Bay challenges, it gets overturned, and then he just gets lit up. He allows the three-run bomb to Christian Bethencourt, and it's like he completely lost it because it was, it was a difficult first inning for him, walking guys, bloop singles, and then it seemed he found his groove. But then in the fifth, after, after, the, after the throw out at second, got overturned, just completely lost it. So it, it really kind of feels like it's all in his head right now, which, which is a bit worrying because it's like, how do you get through situations like this? Yeah, I mean, John Schneider obviously was asked about it after the game, and he said, in the first three pitches of the at-bat, you've got to get two strikes, and that's when his stuff really plays, like Manoa's stuff. And I think that's what it is. Like, the lack of confidence, I think, might be hurting him a lot right now. And he's a young guy who we've seen, right? When he's going, he's barking, and he's strutting around the mound, and he's really feeling himself. And this is, honestly, the first bit of adversity he's really had to face through his major league career. Like, he's had... He, he never even really had a bad start until that series against Seattle last year in the playoffs. Like, this guy was dependable. Even if there was a start where he gave up four earned runs or whatever, like there was that time against the Orioles or the time he got suspended for drilling too many guys. Like, he always bounced back with solid numbers his next time out. And right now, I just wonder if his confidence is so shot that he's 
he's just not attacking guys right off the bat, and that's just putting him behind in at-bats. He can't play catch-up. He's probably overthinking things to an extent. Uh, Schneider also did add, you know, they have all the confidence in the world uh, that he'll turn this around, and I think most sane Jays fans do as well. This maybe won't be a Cy Young caliber season from Alec Manoa or anything like that, but I still think this is a guy who, at some point this year, Coombsy, is going to rattle off four or five good starts in a row. I think once he gets his stuff back, he'll just click right back into that zone yeah the season's a marathon i mean there's a, a long 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 ways to go uh, you know we're only a few starts in april there's other guys around too. look at last year's national league cy young award winner sandy alcantara even in his first game or it might have been a second start he throws um a nine inning i think either one earned run or zero earned runs and then since then he's just been so bad that his era is like eight and that's over just a handful of starts in April. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm willing to give the guy the benefit of the doubt because he wasn't just good these past two years. He was phenomenal. Like, last September, the ERA was, what, under one. It was, like, .80 or something like that. And it was so critical for the that, that performance in order for the Jays to host home field in the wild card series. But... I don't know. Like I said, um, he might decline from that Cy Young's contender to a two three which is fine but he's not going to just fall off the cliff and suddenly not be a major league starter this is this is not the guy that he is going to be forever there's just there's just something going on mentally i i wouldn't be shocked if it had something to do with the pitch clock fucking with his pace uh fucking with the way that he pick uh picks what pitches he's gonna throw in what situation i wouldn't be surprised if it's that i think there's a lot of guys around baseball who are having a bit of a difficult time adjusting to and it's just going to take some time though i will point out it's a little bit worrying. Manoa's next start, I think, is going to line up against the Yankees and Garrett Cole. So he's he, he's 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 created this rivalry between himself and Garrett Cole and Yankees fans. And if there's one fan base out there who's going to be excited for him to have a bad time, it's them. So hopefully he sorts things out before his next start and tosses a gem. Traditionally, he's been good at Yankee Stadium, though. Yeah. Remember Always, that? yeah. Everyone remembers Came that. Came up first and made his first start. start there. Yeah. Yeah. It was dominant. So hopefully that uh that gets him going a little bit. He won't make a start against the Astros, but he will be going in the second game against the New York Yankees. Uh, let's continue with our three up, three down for that series win against the Tampa Bay Rays. Sticking with the down and Coombsy, the Jays have a bit of a black hole in one spot in their lineup. And it's at second base where Santiago Espinal, who was, I mean, an all-star last year. And then the manager change happened, and Espinal really kind of, his playing time declined once Schneider took over. It, it was a weird thing. Like, I didn't understand it. And now Espinal just 2 for 31 out of the gate here. Kevin Biggio is just 4 for 29 to start the year. Um, not great from that spot in the lineup. And I'll be honest, it's not like, I know Espinal again, all-star last year. Like, when a guy like Alejandro Kirk was struggling out of the gates this year, I was like, it's just a matter of time until he figures this out and turns it around. I'm looking at these two guys, and I don't have a lot of confidence that at some point one of them is just going to get red hot and be good for the rest of the season or anything like that. Like, I think this actually might be a conversation that leads into like deadline time where it's like, okay, that is a clear-cut spot you need to upgrade. Yeah, it's either that or I think they have to just kind of look at using Whit Merrifield as yeah. the everyday second baseman. He's actually been quietly quite good. I have his game-by-game -game numbers here, and almost every time he started, he comes up with a hit in that Tampa series. Um, he was uh, in the Saturday game. He goes one for four. In the Sunday game, they lose. He goes two for four. Um, 
he had some big games against the Angels, two for five. I mean, at this point, uh, yeah, like you said, you have a guy like Alejandro Kirk who's struggling. You're like, yeah, I know he's going to turn it around. Danny Jansen is the same thing. He's going to have one of those months where he hits nine home runs and 20 at-bats and his OPS triples. It's just inevitable. But with these two, with Biggio and Espinal, you don't necessarily think that this is just small sample size struggle. This is just two players who maybe aren't necessarily everyday big league caliber hitters. And I think... You know, you you hypothetically have what looks like a really excellent platoon. You have Espinal, who's supposed to hit lefties quite well. You have Biggio, a lefty bat, who's supposedly quite patient and can hit some right-handed pitching, but that just hasn't happened at all. So, I mean, I'd rather just see Whit Merrifield play every day in second base, and I'd rather just see Dalton Varsho playing more in left. I know there was all this talk, oh, Varsho, he's terrible against lefties, so let's find a lefty masher to spell him in left field. I'd rather just see Varsho every day, even if he's up against the lefty. I feel like he gives better at bats than what they're getting in most other situations. And his defense is so good too. There was one point in uh, the Sunday game where Merrifield took kind of a bad route to a ball in the outfield. And it was like, oh man, Varsho would have got that. I'd just rather see Merrifield in the infield. It feels like he's more natural there. And then more Varsho in the outfield. It's just the defense is so much better when he's playing. I think if this creeps into May, then that's something I could see happening. I think for now, it's still like the season's so young that you don't want to just be yeah. stapling two guys to the bench and not giving them a chance to work out of things. So I think if this goes on another 10 to 14 days and it's May 1 and we're like, okay, now Espinal is like, you know, 8 for 75 or something like that, then it's like, okay, <laughs> we, we probably need to like have some tough conversations here. But for now, I think... John Schneider will probably just keep riding it out. Um, but the thing is, like, a couple of big matchups coming in the next week here. A lot of really quality pitchers you're going to have to face. Man, if these guys couldn't rack up a couple of hits against teams like the Tigers and the Angels and the Royals, then, oh boy. Yeah, that's uh, that's the way it is. I mean, you're playing in the American League East, where it looks like this year it's going to be more competitive than the last few years, which is nuts. Yeah. I mean, somehow the division's more difficult this year than it was last. It, it makes no sense. But, I mean, yeah, it's only April, but you've got to win these games when you're going up against the likes of the Rays and the likes of the Yankees. Even Boston and Baltimore, they're solid teams. They could be in the mix. Like, there's only so many head-to-heads, and you've got to win them to do well within the division. Like, we, we saw it last year when the Yankees ran away. They, they had the thing locked up in, like, mid-late May. Tampa could be there this year. I mean, that's why a series like this one was so important. And if if you have to play, <laughs> it sounds stupid. It sounds kind of insane today to say right now. But if you have to play early season games like their late season games, go ahead and do it. Play to win. Yep. Fair. And that's a fair point, too. Uh, to wrap up our three up, three down, do we want to raise a little eyebrow to Anthony Bass, who took to Twitter to complain that his child made a mess on a United flight and his wife was asked to clean up said mess that child made, which I understand she's, you know, a handful of weeks pregnant. So, again, weird of an airline employee to look at a pregnant woman and be like, hey, can you get on your hands and knees and clean this up? Also, very weird of a pro athlete to go complain about this and think he'll have a lot of public support. This was weird. This is a storyline I really wish we could have just avoided. Yeah, this is... uh... (laughs) maybe don't take to Twitter for stuff like this. Like I, I wasn't there, so I don't know what the situation was like. Maybe, I don't know. Like I'm I'm not going to sit there and try and validate anything. All I will say is if you're coming onto Twitter to drag like a 
like a service worker employee and you're a major league baseball player, I don't think you're going to get the sympathy that you want. I think this could have been dealt with behind closed doors. It's, yeah. it's kind of a bad look. I don't think people really want to see this kind of stuff. So uh, it's just, it's just another reminder, like the less you tweet, the better. It's kind of it's kind of my motto these days. Well, yeah, I was going to say that's that's a motto that a lot of people could probably live by. Uh, yeah. That's a wrap on our three up, three down uh, from today's episode. We are going to take a look around the AL East and the upcoming schedule for the Jays as well. But first, we'll step aside for a quick break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Coomsey, you, you kind of teased it towards the end of three up, three down. Um the AL East looks better than it did last year, and that is mildly concerning. <laughs> It does. This sucks. Um, somebody pointed this out on Twitter. The American League East is already a collective 22 games over 500. So the worst team in the division now is Boston, an 8-8, eight and eight, and then Baltimore is 9-7. The Jays and Yankees are at 10-6, and six, which would be good for a tie for first place in the Central, first place in the AL West, first place in the NL West. Um, so half the divisions, they'd be in first place. And yet they're four games behind the Tampa Bay Rays at 14 and two. So like I said before, there ain't that much room for error. I mean, the division isn't quite as important as it used to be. There's three playoff spots for the team that, you know, doesn't make it in uh, as the American league East winner, but yeah, this sucks. It's uh, it seems, it seems as strong as of a, of a team the Jays put together. Everybody else is right there with a solid team as well. Like I said, Boston and Baltimore, they're supposed to be the mid-level teams in the division. They're pretty good. Like they're, they're teams who, if they wound up in the playoffs, it wouldn't be shocking. I'd, I, I don't think I'd put money on either of them making it, but it wouldn't be shocking. And then both the Yankees and the Rays look fantastic this year. So here we are again. Here we are again, indeed. And the Rays, like, it's funny because their schedule, like you know at some point everyone's schedules even up. 
But like to watch the Rays keep playing bad team after bad team after bad team this early in the year is a little bit annoying. Like they have to go play the Reds now. The Reds are six and nine on the year. Like I'm begging MLB to give the Rays a team that's above 500 because it's not coming for a while. And I mean, even by the time they eventually play the Astros, the Astros might not be above 500 either. No. Yeah, that's what it like. So they like we've, we've talked about this before, but they start off Detroit. Washington and Oakland and that's that's about as bad as you can get for like a nine or ten game run to start the season or whatever and to be fair to them you have to win the games the Jays lost a game to Detroit they lost a game to Kansas City they're not automatic wins so good on Tampa for getting this done but yeah in their first 22 games the Jays are the only real playoff caliber team they've faced and it's like you know you can have things like I said before you can have things you can have yourself such a healthy lead this early that it's going to become really hard for anybody to leapfrog you because of how easy things were. Like <laughs> if Tampa keeps rolling and winning these games against Cincy and the White Sox, who they have coming up, they could be like 21 in three or something by the time they go and play the Astros. And it's like, well, what the fuck? What is this? Like, Mix in, mix in like a playoff caliber team, please. Why don't they have a series against the Yankees coming up right here? Like what's going on? Yeah, it, it's it's a tad annoying. And for the Jays, the tough schedule keeps on rolling because they get the Astros this week and then they get the Yankees over the weekend. But let's zero in on that Astros series a little bit here. Not a great start to the year for Houston by any means. They're 7-9 and nine to start things off here. Uh, They're coming off a series loss to the Texas Rangers, the AL West leading Texas Rangers as well. Uh, this is an Astros team, Cam. I mean, you look at who they're going to be throwing onto the mound in these three games. Games and you're kind of like, whoa, that's legit. But that's this how, team that's how, yeah, that's how it always seems with them. So yeah. I thought I thought you were ready for me to go. You go ahead. No, no, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to tee you up for. Was just like this team is going. I know they don't have Altuve still, but like they're going to throw three good arms on the mound. They have a lot of quality hitters. Even though they're seven and nine, this isn't like a, a Jays playing a junk under five hundred team. Like this Astros team can they can sweep you. They can get hot. Oh yeah, that's that's I. Uh, you mean you see Houston coming in and it's seven and nine and you're like oh maybe they're not so good maybe they're this maybe they're that maybe they're toast maybe they're you know Mm -hmm. but no i really don't feel that way about the astros at all it's going to be christian javier jose urquidy and luis garcia and i mean those are three good starters and the jays are coming up with kevin gosman chris bassett and jose barrios so somewhat of a mixed bag after gosman i feel like that's kind of where we're at right now just with the jays pitching Kevin Gosman, I think, has, I mean, it's only been a few weeks, but I I think there's a pretty reasonable argument to be made that he is the team's ace. He's the true number one. And then after that, it's kind of, well, Alec Manoa has struggled. We're not really sure where he's at. Chris Bassett looks like he's settled in, but his starts are a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Barrios, great against Tampa. Who knows? Might be really bad against Houston. Might be really good. And then, of course, there's Kikuchi. um, Looked better this year than he has last, but... Behind Gosman, it's the only really sure thing. So I guess the Monday game you look at and you're like, damn, this is one you'd really like to win because you don't want to be going into the final two games against Houston with Bassett and Barrios and two quality Astros starters, two World Series winning starters, Mm -hmm. you know, needing a win because you lost your Gosman starts. So this series could go either way. I don't think one team will sweep the other, but it'll be... I wouldn't be shocked if the Jays escaped Houston with two wins, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they only won one. That's that's yep. kind of where I'm at right now. 
Yeah, I think it's a fair take as well. It's going to be an interesting week of baseball for the Toronto Blue Jays out in Houston. 8 o'clock Eastern starts in all three of these bad boys as well. Uh, Coombsy, that's a wrap on this week's edition of the pod. Enjoy these games against Houston, and we will chat on the off day Thursday. Best wishes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.